QC are regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Across the West, your number one station. Get frost at night time so please don't be tempted to put out the, the bedding plants just yet and tomato plants keep them in so anything that's frost sensitive uh, you need to keep in uh, certainly for another week to 10 days until the risk of all frost has passed so keep your geraniums and now you can certainly be potting them up and potting up your hanging baskets and window boxes but do put them in a fine putting them out during the day but bring them in at night time put them into the garage or put them into your greenhouse or whatever uh, but do keep any tender plants protected and, and I've noticed just even driving up this morning mm. plants like Grisolinia have, have been licked with a little bit of frost you'll see the little black tops on the new growth forest flame as we mentioned last week is certainly has, has seen some damage so the plants of new plants are susceptible to late frost and if you see some burning on plants it's only a temporary setback, nothing to worry about. Uh, give them a feed, give them a light trimming back and they'll be perfectly fine again. So it's just part, this time of year when we get the high pressure. We had it last year as well. Plants like hydrangeas got really knocked back. Uh, they'd come into growth beautifully and yeah. then the, the late frost licked them. So that's perfectly natural at this time of year. And the frost is with us for next week as well. So if you are planting plants out, just make sure that they're hardy. Ask in your local garden centre, pansies and violas and stocks and all those plants can be are perfectly happy out of doors alpine plants trees and shrubs it's actually beautiful planting weather the soil condition are still absolutely brilliant uh, plenty of moisture in the soil um, you know even even this week I was still dividing plants and moving them around the garden because the season is still that little bit late and you can kind of get away with it and plants are, are responding really well to it so um, definitely just be careful that's just kind of a word of warning on the on the frost side of it um, if people have potato stalks above the ground if mm-hmm. they were out early in March and have them in the ground if they're peeping above please cover them so again get a little bit of garden soil and cover them over so bury the stems if they're visible above the top of the soil because it will burn them back and it will set them back or get yourself some garden fleece or straw or anything that will add as a protectant uh, against frost so do just bear keep that in mind but apart from that you know don't let the frost put you off gardening because it's excellent gardening weather um, so really time good time to get back out there watch for the watering as well so plants in containers are drying out because not only does the heat dry, dry plants out the frost actually dries plants so when we get that kind of crisp uh, dry weather you'll see kind of lots of condensation on your car and mm-hmm. so on so what, during the cold weather frost has the ability to dry plants as well so keep an eye on you know I, I have watered plants in containers around my own home at least twice at this stage so a good heavy soaking and remember when you're watering plants 
you water the soil, not the plant, as in you wet the soil and really drown it and then leave it for a week before you rewater again. So it's only for plants that are in pots or newly planted plants. So if you have been planting, say, some seed or maybe some vegetable plants or new plants in the garden, just keep an eye on those. Or if you have been dividing plants, the geraniums that I divided, the hardy geraniums, uh, definitely they were beginning to droop a little bit. So they got a good watering last night. Um, and, you know, watering them is perfectly fine. The frost won't have any effect on the plants. So just keep an eye on plants in pots and containers in particular would be my advice um, and give them give them a, a little bit of a drink um, over the next couple of days and again heavy soaking and then leave them for a week and water again and so on so you're watering the soil not yeah. the plant okay not, you, not not a dribble every day or anything exactly like that. yeah and, and people sometimes tend to overwater. they give too much water as well so we can overwater uh, plants particularly outdoor plants so better to just a heavy soaking and then walk away and again we're coming into the time of the year for liquid feeding of plants so if you have plants in pots and containers start to liquid feed them now because the growth has been actually significant Um, you know even I I fed plants probably 10 days ago and within 3 or 4 days I noticed the I had to stop myself and have a look at them and say, wow, that has, you, know, you could really see the effect. So plants are actively growing at the moment and uh, they need nutrition now. So granulated feed around the base of your trees and shrubs. The dew at night time is enough to wash it in. Right. Um, but if you have pot, plants in pots and containers, maybe shrubs or whatever, again, give them a liquid feed now of something like Blooming Magic or a tomato feed. Or if they're ericaceous plants like rhododendrons, give them a little bit of the... Um, the ericaceous liquid feeds. Okay. Now, I brought you in today because because we were chatting wildflowers and we seem to have got a lot of questions on wildflowers. Um, in the last couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. it's been a kind of a, a theme and people are definitely looking to do give something back to nature and the bees and the butterflies and all of that. So this is the time of year in April when we sow the seeds of wildflowers and they come in a whole range of different collections. So even if you want to put a few wildflowers in a pot, you can do that. So people tend to think of wildflowers as the wildflower meadow that yeah, grows really tall. as in tall. an open, big open space or whatever. Exactly, but mm. you can actually grow them in, in very small areas. Really what you're looking for are plants that are... That wildflowers is kind of a very general term. Mm. So it, it includes anything that will attract the bees and butterflies. So there's one that, that from Thomas Morgan that is actually a fragrant range so oh. for scent and they're pink they're pinks and yellows and whites and, and blues and so on. There's a whole range of different colours in them they're, but they're specifically selected for their scent and they're short growing as well. They'll only grow to about maybe 18 inches, two feet maximum. So you know you can get scented varieties, you can get varieties for shade you can get varieties for, um, you know, under trees if you want. Uh-huh. Uh, this is one for every kind of soil. So irrespective so of the type of soil. So that doesn't matter where you put it. Where you put it, it will actually grow. And so it's again, it's a collection of very easy varieties of seeds. So wildflower seeds tend to be a collection of different varieties of seeds. Most of them will come into flower if they're annuals, they'll come in to flower in July and flower right through to the autumn. But really you should be looking for a mixture that has perennial flowers and annual flowers in the mix. So, um, so you know that you encourage both flower this year and every year after that as well. Again, you can get short. There's a short, short mix. Short mix, okay. Yeah, so short mix sensation is, is this particular one. So there's 24 different varieties of annual and perennial seeds in that box. And you simply just rake the soil, chuck the seed on. And away you go. Let nature take its course and off they go. And, Fantastic. you know, light, a light watering, but after that they'll germinate within a couple of weeks. So a really good time of year for sowing wildflowers. Wild and again in your local garden centre, if you if you particularly like say red poppies or oxide daisy or cornflowers, you'll be able to buy specific packs of seed with just that variety in them. So if you particularly have a if you have a, a bit of a grow for a particular for something. A particular variety of plant, you can you can add that to the mix as well. 
The other thing I brought you in are some herbs. Some herbs. Some herbs. Oh, do tell. So here, so smell, what, smell that one actually. Okay, so I think this is a kind of a silvery green. Silver foliage. Uh, yeah, I'm getting up with you because you can probably tell. What can you oh, smell from that? Okay. Oh, that's like, is it like a curry plant? It is, and that's exactly what it is. Oh, I thought, what plant is... That's fab. You know, that, that plant, it really lives up to its name. It's got that lovely uh, curry scent and, and flavour. It produces a, white, a yellow flower, um, but silver leaves. And it's a bit like a lavender, but it's actually um, more silver than lavender with yellow flowers. But it has that curry, really, really it strong does. curry. I can smell it off my fingers yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So it's a quite, a quite a nice one. There's another one called Winter Savoury, which again is so, okay. really strong. If you like strong herbs, you know, it's something with a bit of a punch. Okay, so this is more in the traditional herby kind of yeah, almost like a thyme. Like or... a thyme, rosemary type yeah. thing. It's called winter savoury. And Again, it's got little, little flowers on it. Little pink flowers this time of year. The flowers are edible, the foliage is edible, but it's um, brilliant again for stews or for um, roast, mm. anything roasting for meats. Um, but I actually, oh, there's a bit of mint in there as there well. Is, it's yeah, a really interesting yeah. it's a very uh, nice scent. One. I've never, I've never smelled that one before, or I've never come winter across savory. it. Winter savoury. Winter savoury. It's um, a per- perfectly hardy out of doors. Um, again, in pots and containers, it does really well. The, mm. the pink flowers can be used in drinks or in salads or whatever, and the leaves then are kind of waxy type leaves. They're quite strong, but it's a really good flavour from winter savoury. And again, it's a really easy one to grow. And of course, all the popular ones here to the parsley, the thyme, the rosemary, they're available in your gardens at the moment. And this is the time of year, and they're all frost hardy so again no problem putting them outside growing them in pots and containers um, I have a couple of window boxes done this year with herbs and some uh, salad leaves oh, so lovely. lettuce leaves and so it's a nice little mix on a windowsill um, and you can pick the herbs and the salad leaves together and of course they'll regrow again and the other thing I brought you in were some um, old fashioned stock Okay, because we do talk about stock a bit on the and program. stock is such a beautiful plant. It's a real old cottage okay. garden plant. Beautiful scent. It comes in a range of different colours. So and again, we've got white ones and pink ones. Yeah, but they come in they, they come in purples and shades of red. and So they're mainly pinks, purples, reds, that sort of colour. But stock is mainly grown for its scent. And they're in flower at the moment and lots of flower buds to come. But again, if you want that kind of old cottage garden feel to your garden with beautiful scent, then stocks are something you should plant uh, this weekend. Again, they'll tolerate the frost out of doors they'll give you instant colour they'll be lovely now mixed with violas and pansies and mm. that old cottage garden look you Just know that a, yeah and a nice bit of show nice bit and of colour but the scent is absolutely it's a lovely sweet scent of stock and how long will they flower for? Well, they'll, they'll keep, you can see the amount of flower buds that are being mm. produced here. So they're going to flower for oh, another six to eight weeks anyway. Um, so they kind of flower early, late spring, early summer into midsummer sort of period. The more you deadhead them, obviously, the more they're going to continue to flower. But such a beautiful plant and Gorgeous. lovely for, for scent. I brought you in a little sunflower as well. This is a dwarf sunflower, particularly for kids. I think it's a lovely plant. So, so this is a real stunner. And we, uh, I think we, had, we, had, we had a, a Glen Campbell tune called Sunflower after eight this morning. There you go. Uh, but this is really lovely. Yeah, so it's about um, it's, it's only about a foot. foot. High. It's not going to grow much Quite bigger than that. Quite a few uh, flowers on Loads it already. Of flowers. Yeah, and, and if you want to get children interested in gardening, there's a great plant because sunflowers are so easy to grow. They do really well in pots and containers. They're starting to flower now, but also they produce their seed and the birds will come and feed off the, the seed heads if you let those develop, particularly in the late summer, autumn mm. sort of period. And a, another plant I brought you in is one called Celosia. So there's lots of colour there is. available. So the, the Celosia looks really gorgeous. It's a lovely it's a, it's little a plant. Purple, purpley plant. Yeah. Yeah, they come in purples and pinks and different colours again for a splash of colour at this time of year. So 
it's really good planting weather, really good seed sowing weather. So don't forget the, the vegetables again. It's not too late to plant potatoes, vegetable plants, vegetable seed. People should continue to do that. And we've plenty of time yet, right up until the middle of May. Uh, so little and often is really the secret to it. Um, so... Great. Okay, so you've got a huge uh, range of things there from the wildflowers to the herbs to the actual uh, fragrant flowers and the colourful flowers. Yeah, and don't forget our hydrangeas. I did. (laughs) I said we'd start the programme with hydrangeas, but hydrangeas at this time of year, we did mention pruning them back, but people often wonder, when when can I change my pink hydrangea to blue? So it's actually at this time of year that you put the crystals around the base of the plant, the rain washes them in and they'll churn your your pink hydrangea to blue. Okay. So if you want a bit of a hair cut change or a, a bit of a, a, a flower change this year, then this is the time of year to put the hydrangea colour into okay. the base of the plants. So, and those crystals are available in your local garden Oh, they are indeed, yeah. yeah. You just simply sprinkle them around the base of the plant, the rain will wash them in, and then as the plant produces its flowers, it'll change from pink to blue. So it's kind of changing the pH of the soil. That's exactly what that it's doing. Yeah, That's exactly the... what it's doing. Okay, brilliant. Now, Park, we're going to start with uh, some photographs on the WhatsApp and we are... Starting with, uh, I thought I was going to start with a bottle brush. I am going to start with a bottle brush. Um, uh, we're talking about plants here now. Uh, so this plant flowered profusely over the last two years, but it now looks very untidy. Mary is wondering, can she prune it back and buy how much? Yeah, and it's actually a fantastic specimen of a bottle brush, dare, dare, dare I say. Yeah, it's, it's standing, I suppose, about six feet tall. Now, remember the bottle brush. So bottle brush is calisthenum. It's a plant from the Mediterranean and it produces a beautiful red flower like the old bottle brush for cleaning the milk bottles. They come into flower in early summer. So if you prune them at this time of year, you're removing all the flowers. So my advice is to leave it alone, uh, let it flower this year and then cut it back. And Mary should do that every year after flowering. So remember what we said before, any plant that flowers any time from January to June you prune it immediately after flowering. So the likes of calisthenum or cherry trees or forsythia, anything that's blooming over the next couple of weeks, you leave alone at this time of year, let it flower and then prune it back. Give it a good feed and the feed then encourages lots of new growth. And the plant is a little bit leggy. Yeah. Uh, so by pruning it back, if Mary prunes it after flowering, and by pruning I mean you can take at least a foot or 18 inches off the plant, that'll encourage more stems and therefore more flowers next year. Okay, so are we kind of thinking that bottle brush hasn't been pruned at all? I wouldn't say it has. I'd say Mary's been just just too kind to it, just leaving it alone and just allowing it to flower. And of course, the plants are just kicking into growth. Whereas if you prune it after flowering, you're doubling the amount of stems, doubling the amount of flowers, and it'll be actually a a far prettier plant. And keep it compact. And that bit of pruning rejuvenates the plant as well. You kind of reduce the amount of old wood in the plant. When we prune, we feed. So once Mary let it flower, prune it and then um, give it a good feed of a tree and shrub fertiliser. It'll kick into growth. It'll double the amount of stems and double the amount of flowers the following year. Great. But it's a, it's a great specimen uh, of, of a calisthenum. A bo- yeah, okay. you generally don't see them as big as that. Okay, great stuff. Uh, now, we've got a couple of pictures and looking for some identification if possible. Um, wondering what might this tree be? It's abandoned in a pot and it's now 20 foot tall. Oh my God. So this is a prunus. It's a prunus. It's in flower, just coming into flower at the moment. Um, so 20 feet tall. Look, it's it's it, it's probably at its maximum height now. It's not going to go a whole lot bigger, but could spread up to 18 or 20 feet in diameter. So um, I presume it's in the ground at this stage. It must be if it's 20 feet tall. Um, so yeah, it's a prunus in the plum family and um, it's probably got to its maximum height now at this stage. Okay. Um, 
Now, people wondering, um, can you scarify a lawn now or is it too late? This particular lawn has a lot of thatch and needs aerating or is it best to wait until the autumn? Okay, by scarifying, mm. we, we literally mean re- really digging into the, gra- into the lawn and t- tearing at the old moss and dead thatch because lawns, when you continually mow them, they're building up a layer of just beneath the the, between the soil and the grass itself a layer of thatch or dead leaves so it's advisable to scarify a lawn every maybe three to four years this is actually a really good time you want to be scarifying the lawn when it's actively growing because uh, by tearing at the lawn you're taking out a lot of the dead area you'll take some of the healthy grass as well and you need to feed the lawn after scarification you may need to reseed some of the areas as well um, so my advice is to scarify it now Give it a good feed with a, a slow-release fertiliser. Reseed any areas that might have been damaged and your lawn will be absolutely in great condition then by midsummer. Okay, brilliant. Now we've got a photograph here. I've, uh, I'm guessing it might be a laurel. I'm wondering, is there any hope? Yes, for my laurel hedging. Its leaves are brown and it seems to be burned. It's down with it's down in two with two years, but it's not making much progress. Sorry, it's in the ground two years, but not making much progress. Um, I live close to the sea, so maybe that has something to do with it. That has a lot to do with okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the poor old laurel is it's suffering, and in really laurels, unless you've got a sheltered, a reasonably sheltered garden by the sea, laurels aren't suitable. Um, you know, the plants that we would recommend for seaside areas would be things like Iliagnus, in particular, with the silver leaves, Grisellini escalonia. They can tolerate the salt air. They've got a waxy leaf, but laurel will always continue to suffer. So there's, to be honest, there's no point. You could feed it and bring it back a little bit, but next winter it's just going to get hammered again. So it's not a plant for seaside area so I would seriously consider changing the uh, hedge completely because you're going to suffer with it every year in a seaside location the salt is caustic it burns the wind is is burning as well and that's really what the plants are miserable and that's going to they'll come back to a certain degree during the summer and then next autumn and winter they're going to go back and regress again exactly we've seen them there so to be honest I would plant or else if you've got space on the seaside side of the laurel you could plant another hedge or something like formiums, the New Zealand flax, something that would add as a windbreak and take the initial brunt of the salt air and wind and then the laurel would certainly uh, come back. But in its present state, it's not going to... There's no point feeding it and nurturing it on because we're going to be back to square one. That's we'll have the same question again next, okay, okay. <laughs> next spring. So either, either put in something more suitable or uh, put something on the seaward side. Give it a bit of protection. Protect, that's what it needs. Okay. And don't bother putting up netting and that because in time, you know, the hedge is going to grow above that and it's just going to get damaged. Be physically damaged in that area. And and be more problematic to to remove at that point when it's older. Uh, Good morning, uh, says this text uh, from Chris. um, uh, Wondering, by the picture of the label that came with this four-inch or foot pot... Four foot, I'd say, is it potted pear tree? Yeah. Can you tell me if it can be grown in a tub or does it have to go into the ground? So it's Williams, I think. Yeah. So Williams bunch eating is a is a variety of of pear, a lovely variety. It actually flowers very early and and the fruit generally develops very early on the tree. Um, so it's it's a quite a good variety. Um, it's self fertile, which is good. Um, and it'll grow in a pot. I mean, if it's only four feet, you could certainly grow it in a pot for a number of years. But in time, it will need to go out into the garden soil. Pears 
Spurs do really well if you can train them against a wall. So if Chris had a nice south-facing wall or west-facing wall, you could plant it like a climbing plant against the wall and train it out on the wall. And pears do really well and they respond very well to that type of an area. So in the short term, yes, you could keep it in a pot for a number of years. um, But ideally, it needs to go into the garden soil. Okay, great. Now we've got another photograph here of a poorly performing shrub of some kind. It was sown on the 19th of October. The okay. middle of it is just bare. I'm not sure if it's really identifiable because it's the photograph is a bit back. Yeah, yeah lots of growth at the base though, yeah. which is good. So we were wondering, should we cut the top off it now and let the bottom grow up again? Um, we wanted shrubs to creep up around the fence and it is grown against a fence. Yeah, and it, it, it um, yeah, it looks like a viburnum or something. It's, it, the picture is, is it's, we're just too far away from the plant but there's lots of growth coming from the base so yes you can safely cut it right b- back to where that you see that young growth starting so you're cutting it you're cutting kind of three or four feet that naked or bare stem remove all of that cut back to the young growth and that plant will that kick should... back into growth again okay yeah Brilliant. it will indeed okay is it too late now to cut back an escalonia hedge um, and if so roughly how much we seem to get this question yes, every week. <laughs> so, the, the, so the question, the answer is no, it's not too late to prune it back. But remember that if you prune Escalonia at this time of year, you will delay the flowering. So you'll, you'll put the flowering off for at least a month or maybe six weeks. So by all means, if it needs to be trimmed back and you can be actually quite ruthless with Escalonia, you can trim it, give it a really hard trimming back and uh, it'll respond very well by producing lots of new shoots and being perfectly fine. Remember, if, once you cut them, give them a feed. Now, this is a wonderful photograph, I think, anyway, Porik. Um, so this is a photograph for listeners of uh, somebody's petunia seedlings. There are uh, four leaves on some of these Brilliant. petunias. They're growing in egg trays. Excellent. Do I need to put them in bigger pots? And also, do I need to give them a little feed? And if so, what would you recommend? Okay, so they're doing absolutely brilliant. The, the listener has, has egg trays filled with compost, little seedlings in, and, and as, as they say, the petunias are at the four-leaf stage. And they're doing absolutely fabulous. Mm. Right, they're lovely and, and um, compact. Uh, the, the space is more than adequate. There's no, no need whatsoever to repot them into bigger pots. They'll actually be perfectly okay in those trays until they're ready for planting out. And just watch the watering. The compost looks fairly moist, not too wet, so it, it seems to be perfect. But don't be tempted to keep them too wet. I wouldn't bother li- liquid feeding them yet until the plants are nearly touching. So wait for the leaves to nearly touch one another um, and um, start liquid feeding then. So th- there's enough nutrition in the compost that they're in already. So the listener is doing everything perfect. Okay. So should. don't overwater, don't overfeed and then plant them out about about the middle of May so you need to be keeping them in for at least another week okay. or another month I should say, another month. Plant identification time again, yeah. Porik. Uh, so a uh, listener wondering can you tell her or tell him either or uh, what type of plant this is please? Is it, is it for inside or outside? So it's inside. You see the cup of tea beside it? I do it, and it does kind of, <laughs> it looks like it's quite those kind of waxy uh, indoor yeah. type plant leaves. So, so this is a plant called Calanchio. Calancio, um, normally grown indoors. However, having said all that, you can put it out for the summer. So you could treat it like you would uh, a, a normal indoor geranium, putting it out once the risk of frost has passed in uh, mid-May, late-May sort of period and leave it out until uh, September and then bring it back in. Now, normally Calancio, as we grow them in 
indoors. They're normally kept indoors 12 months of the year, to be honest. And they're a plant, you, you described it very well, it's got that waxy leaf, so it tolerates the sun really well and it likes a nice, bright, open area. The thing that kills calanchos is too much watering, overwatering if they get too wet. So keep it in indoors certainly until late May, early June and if you're tempted you could certainly put it out for the summer and then take it back in again. Super. Now we've go from inside the house to outside the house and uh, somebody wondering if you can identify some trees. They uh, Do they need to be trimmed? And if so, when? At the moment they're about 30 foot high. Yeah, yeah. And not sure conifers. What, 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 what kind of trees they are I think you have a mixture exactly. here of macrocarpa, macrocarpa um, trees. So uh, like conifers in general, you won't be able to do any severe pruning with them. You could certainly lightly prune them or take maybe a foot off the sides. And uh, the tops you could reduce them certainly by three or four feet but I don't think you're going to gain anything by doing that um, any severe pruning the plants will not reshoot so I think just leave them alone to be quite honest um, I don't think there's anything to be gained in trimming them back because you'll only be able to trim them back very very lightly Okay. So any conifers like Lelandii or Macrocarpus or any of the, the evergreen conifers, mature plants, they don't tolerate severe pruning. Escalonia, as I mentioned, does and reshoots again even mm. if you cut it down to ground down to level, it'll yeah. reshoot again. But conifers cannot be pruned severely. You'll end up with just bare twigs. Okay, and that's not yeah. good. That's not so what leave, we want. So leave well, well enough alone, I think, in that instance. Perfect. Uh, we've planted 100 cotoni asters oh, wow. this spring. What do I need to do now to encourage growth, asks a cross-maligna listener. Oh, and a great plant, Cotoneaster, because... A hundred? A hundred, yeah. Well, obviously, they're planting maybe a hedge. Cotoneaster makes a super hedge, or it's often grown as a wall plant as well to cover a wall. Um, but they'll be coming into flower very shortly, and the honeybee absolutely loves Cotoneaster. And, of course, you've got the lovely red berries then in the autumn. Feed them with uh, the Osmo Pro 6. So it's a granulated feed. You simply sprinkle it around the base of the plant, repeat in about a month's time, and that'll keep them super happy. Okay. Uh, now, we did touch on, um, this is an interesting one, on foot of our hydrangea question, actually. Um, or we mentioned the hydrangeas and the changing yep. of the colour. So this question says, I'm doing a driveway with a hydrangea hedge mop head varieties. Okay. Should I stick to one colour or mix in a few different, blue, white, purple, etc.? It's 20 metres long. This was... Yeah, well, remember that the, the the soil will determine the colour of the hydrangea. So if you put blues and pinks in, if you're on an acid soil, they'll be predominantly kind of reds or purples or purpley reds uh, in colour. If it's a limey soil, the, the, the blues will change to pink. Um, one of the, the hedges you could consider, rather than the mop head, so you could go with mop head. Mm. I, I would think keep to the one variety because um, it will be more uniform it'll flower at the same time and obviously you know the soil conditions particularly if it's pink if it's a limey soil go for the pink variety but the other hydrangea you could consider the paniculata family varieties like phantom which is a, a really really good variety that will grow up to five or six feet in height it's super easy to grow long flowering period and it produces big 99 they're like an ice cream 99 shaped um flowers and they flower right through the summer in such an easy variety to grow. So that could be a consideration as well. But the mop head hydrangeas would work, but I would stick to I'd stick to the one colour. Whites will stay neutral, so if your soil is acid or alkaline, Doesn't the whites matter. will always remain the same. Um, but the pinks pinks will obviously be pink on limey soil, so maybe stick to to one, to one colour. One or two. Maybe pink and white could, could be a combination or, or varieties like the phantom I mentioned makes a beautiful edge. 
Okay, brilliant. Now, a couple of questions on uh, the text, Boric. What's the best feed for heathers that are in oh, yeah. flower okay. now? <laughs> um, well, heathers, well, they, they will tolerate uh, an ericaceous feed, so pop into your local garden centre and get a granulated feed, shake it around the base of them. Once fl- heathers start to go out of flower, so they've been flowering and they're beginning to go over, which they will in the next couple of weeks, make sure you trim them back, not too severely, but do remove the old flowering heads because that keeps them short and bushy and feed them with, with a an ericaceous feed now. Okay. I got a cherry tree. Uh, there's no flowers on it. What feed should I give it? Well, they, remember the cherries, if there's no flowers on them, they're not going to flower this year. And that's that's perfectly fine. This obviously sounds like a new mm-hmm. tree. So what will happen is the tree will come into growth now. It'll produce lots of new growth. It mightn't flower for a year or two, or you might get small flowers the first couple of years because the, the trees are just putting on new growth and that's... Tr- perfectly normal. Again, when planting, use a good quality compost. And again, something like the Osmo Pro 6 tree and shrub feed would be perfect for a cherry. Now, somebody wondering, Mary's in tune. She's wondering, can I plant well-established tomato plants outside in a large container or is it too cold yet? It's too cold. Okay. It doesn't matter how big they are. The frost will still damage them. So keep them inside as much as possible. What you can do, you know, people are probably anxious because the plants are getting big and, and the, the space is, is being diminished. So hold back in the watering a little bit. Don't don't keep them as, as moist as, as maybe you've been keeping them. And that'll kind of slow down the growth a little bit with, hydrangea, or with the tomato plants. But don't be tempted to put them outside for at least another two weeks. Okay, great. I've cala potted lilies. Can I plant these outside? Would they survive? Asks John and Lardon. Yeah, well, if they're if they're the calla lilies, the outdoor lily, then and you've them potted up from bulbs, so they're normally grown from a bulb, they'll be perfectly fine. They're frost hardy, and a, a light bit of frost won't do any damage on the the calla lily. So you could be putting them out any time from now on. Great, and we'll take a break after this one. Is today a good day to sow a new lawn? It couldn't be any better. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest, the weather is absolutely perfect. We need 10 degrees Celsius for seed to germinate. Like it's it's all, this is perfect weather for getting in new lawns because you can work the soil, you can rake the soil and the seed, once it goes in, will germinate within two weeks. We, we did kind of advise people about, people wondering about their potato stalks and oh, cover uh, them, yeah, they me. got burnt last year and... Uh, they had fleece. So. Well, you need to put on a couple of layers, like one layer of fleece won't, won't be sufficient. You need to put it on a good, a good thick layer, two or three layers of fleece. Is, is or, it, or if you can, cover them with soil. Cover them with okay, soil. That's you know, another mold option. them up. Yeah, if, them. So if your potatoes are coming through, if they're a couple of inches high, simply get some extra soil and, and cover them over. They'll still push through. Uh, but yeah, try to keep the frost on them. And if you are using fleece outdoors, you need a couple of layers of fleece. Okay. One, one simple one, layer one on layer. its own. Because it's, it's tissue thin. It's it's about the thickness of tissue. It's very, very light. So you need a couple of layers uh, over them. Even if you have plants in a greenhouse or tunnel and you're protecting them, again, a couple of layers of fleece on top of them. And you can leave the fleece on for several days because the light still gets through. It permeates through yeah. it. Is there a non-chemical way of treating carrot root fly? There are. There are a couple of ways to do this. So first of all, you can select varieties of seed that are are, um, uh, resistant to the fly. So I think we featured one last week called Mastro, which is a variety Mm -hmm. of seed. It produces a beautiful carrot, but it's it's probably one of the best varieties that's resistant to carrot root fly. Resist to fly is another variety of seed that you can use. So both of them, I would sow those definitely. And then you can get non-pesticide treatments for... um, for both carrot root fly and cabbage root fly, uh, so from memory, I think it, I think it's just called root fly treatment. Uh, so look for that in your local garden centre. It's actually based on garlic, 
So it uh, the the caramel fly doesn't like the, the taste of the garlic bread, yeah. of all things. So it's actually a, a concentrated dose of garlic that you put onto the. Uh, developing seedlings. Now remember carrot root fly doesn't become a problem till normally about the middle of May, late May sort of period when you're thinning the carrots because they've got to get the scent so don't treat just yet. So sow the resistant varieties, Mastro or Resistifly and then use the the root treatment, root fly treatment I think it's sold as. It's a liquid you mix it in the washing can you apply it and it's also very effective on cabbages for cabbage root fly as well. Okay, great. So you kind of have a couple of yeah. layers of protection yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Heather got burnt. Will it grow back? Well, it depends how, how bad. I'm, I'm surprised that it, it uh, got burnt because generally heathers are perfectly hardy. You might Maybe the old flowers are just fading on the plant and it looks brown. Uh, and if it's that, just simply trim it back and it'll kick back into growth again. So... I think it'll be perfectly okay. Okay, and hydrangeas got hit again with frost in the yeah, past we, few weeks. Yeah, and that's, look, at that's kind of, unless you've covered them, that, that's unavoidable. Okay. What you might find, which we did find last year, is that they didn't flower. Many hydrangeas that got licked with the frost last summer produced lots of leaves, but no flowers. flowers. Now, they'll be, they'll be fine this year. They'll flower mm. this year. So it does set them back to a certain degree. Okay, great. Now, how many begonias, asks Patrick, a single or double, should I put in a garden pot and are they available for sale at the moment? Yeah, they're available. Now, do remember that they're frost sensitive, so you need to, Patrick needs to keep them inside, so you can plant them up in a pot or container, put them in your greenhouse or conservatory, but you need to keep them in. Um, and I would normally put three in a pot, so in a triangular shape, just three simple non-stop begonias, they'll fill the pot and they'll give you colour from June right through till November. Okay. Um, the outdoor variety of tomato you recommended, that's, is that available at the moment? No, it's not. And, and there's a scarcity of tomatoes actually at the moment. Okay. People are going mad planting tomatoes. So, and, you know, I think we said this a couple of weeks back that there is a scarcity of plants, plants in general. In general, yeah, stock in general, because people have been, so many people have been gardening this year that they, the growers have been kind of caught off off. Uh, off step, you know, they're... they're um, well, I suppose challenges maybe from all sides between... Absolutely. Um, pandemics between and... Between COVID and everything. And but it's just, it's just that so many people have, are gardening this year. So strawberries are scarce, tomatoes are scarce. Um, so, but look, at plants will come available um, and you've plenty of time to plant yet. So even if you're planting tomatoes in, in May or even the first week of June, mm. they'll still fruit this year. Okay, great. Um, now, somebody wondering, is grow more, or are, Helen asks, are grow more granules okay to put on blueberry plants? Well, grow more is a general purpose fertiliser. It's a granulated feed that's normally used on vegetable plants and uh, vegetable plants mainly. It's not going to do any harm to your blueberries, but you would be, Helen would be better to get a specific ericaceous feed. So something that we normally put on rhododendrons or camellias, blueberries are acid loving. So that would be a, a better feed for them. Having said that, if you put a handful of chrome around the base, it's not going to do any harm. Okay. Um, I planted some geraniums outside yesterday. Will they be okay? <laughs> no, they won't. No, they won't. So you need to cover them. Uh, if the frost hasn't done any damage yet, cover them or take or lift them and bring them back in again. You know, we're going to get several nights of frost now all of next week all this week coming so uh, you need to protect the plants and geraniums you know one hard night's frost and they're gone so I would be inclined to lift them and bring them back in again sit them on your windowsill um, you know keep them protected Okay great Um, Now somebody's wondering is there a small machine that you can get to dig up my vegetable garden? There is. It's called a rotavator. So you get it in your local, one of the tool hire companies will have that small little rotavator that can be used to just to rotavate the soil and get it ready for planting. Okay, great. Um, Where am I here now? 
Wonder somebody wondering about a St. Patrick's rose. Yeah, St. Patrick's is actually a lovely yellow variety of rose. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a good time to plant roses again if you can get them again. Scary, Patrick, are they a bit scarce? They are actually, yeah. So plants in general, you know, so the, the range is more limited this year. There, there are roses available, but they're um, definitely... Uh, not as not not as big a range as we'd normally have this right. time of year. So St. Patrick's one might be better looking for that in the autumn. You know, it's okay. a more unusual variety, usual yellow variety, but it's more unusual. Okay. Um, a hydrangea gone back into the ground, will it grow? Well, they probably mean but the frost has damaged, damaged it back it. and okay. it will. You know, give them a handful of fertiliser and they'll be back into full growth again. It's only going to... St- kind of stop them uh, and burn it burns the young shoots but the plant will kick back into growth again okay now we've got a rhododendron it only had a few leaves at the top last year we cut it back and we fed it but it's not doing very well again this year there are only a few leaves again and they're brown well look the couple of things key things with rhododendrons first of all they're they're acid loving so if your soil is anyway limey they're, you're going to get that browning and yellowing of the leaves and the plant won't will just be sickly um, so it makes sure that's in ericaceous compost you want to keep it in an area that's not too exposed as well so a lot of cold winds will turn the leaves from from green to brown and scorch the leaves a bit like the laurel question we had earlier so the soil conditions really are, are the key thing to make sure the soil is, is acid you could consider lifting the rhododendron and putting it into a pot and using just ericaceous compost and some fertilizer let it grow for a year or two to build up its strength and then replant pot it back out into the into the garden Okay, super. Uh, now we've got uh, wondering about a good feed for rhubarb. It's growing very poorly. They're very thin sticks. It was set about a year ago. Yeah, and, and rhubarb needs, it is one of these plants that needs a lot of uh, feeding. So some organic matter, if you can get it, you, you, you can buy actually composted farm manure. So it's it's uh, bordemona, do it in a bag. That would be probably one of the best. You could add it as a mulch around the base of the uh, rhubarb plant and that will decompose back into the soil and feed the rhubarb. Don't be tempted to take any sticks off it. You need to build it up now for the, for the next couple of years. But any organic matter, mushroom compost, um, farmer manure or compost it, uh, the Bordemona compost it, manure would be ideal. Again, maybe a little bit of granulated feed as well. Something like the grow more that the previous the blue, w- would be fine as well. But organic matter in particular, uh, rhubarb responds to it really well. Now, somebody wondering, can we prune apples now? Apple trees, well, apple trees are in flower at mm. the moment. Ideally, you should have pruned them at this stage. Now, having said that, if if you want, if there's a lot of whippy growth, and generally in last year's growth, it doesn't contain any flowers. So in a typical apple tree, you'll have the flowers kind of in the centre of the tree and to, to the extremities. But at the top, you have a lot of whippy growth, and that can be certainly pruned back. So any non-flowering wood... It's probably the easiest way to, to say it. Yeah, yeah. That can be pruned certainly now um, and leave obviously all the the, the uh, shoots that are bearing flowers at the moment, leave them alone. So okay. certainly shorten it back, tidy it up a little bit. That can be done. Okay. Um, now, can you please tell me when can I plant or put a Japanese gladioli outside and when will it flower? Well, any time from July, kind of August, it'll, it'll come into flower. And really, if it, if, and plants that have been kept inside tend to get a little bit soft. So my advice really is maybe wait till the frost has passed. So again, leave it another 10 days, two weeks, and then plant it out of doors. Okay, super. And uh, Japanese gladioli, are they different to the standard? Or? Yeah, they're, they're, they're more unusual colours and they come in different varieties. A lot of them are actually quite short, short-stemmed varieties. 
Okay. Now I've two pear trees that says Joe that had fruited last year. One is laden now with blooms, but the other has only three flowers. They are side by side and they're in the same soil. They get the same feeding, etc. What? What might be the challenge there? Well, again, pear trees produced their flower buds in the previous season. So depending on how well it grew last summer, autumn sort of period, determines how well pear trees flower this year. Apples are the same. So they, they initiate their flower buds in the previous year. So how well it grew last summer, so if it dried out too much or the ground wasn't as rich in, in one spot, it can certainly affect the the amount of flowers the pear produced. You're not going to do, nothing will that you can put on it now is going to change that. The fact that there's flowers on both obviously is a good thing because you'll still get some cross-pollination. So really what Joe should do is just allow them to fruit and then start feeding them, particularly in midsummer, with a high potash feed because potash helps to induce plants to produce their flower buds by the autumn for the following season. Mm. So really, there's nothing that can be done. It's a little like the cherry trees. If they're not in flower, nothing you can do is going to put them into flower this year. It's all about preparing for next year. And sulfur of potash or high potash feeds like rose feeds help to slow down the growth in fruiting trees and that helps to initiate flowers on them. Okay, great. You mentioned cherry tree there. Somebody's wondering, does a cherry blossom tree have a vigorous root and could it lift a curb if it's planted too close? Yeah, great question. And yes, it can. Uh, cherry trees are surface rooting. So the roots are just beneath the surface of the soil. So if they're planted very close to tarmacadam, driveways, curbing, they have the ability to lift. So the root just skims underneath the level of the soil so ideally it should be planted away from a curved area or a a wall or anything like that yeah it needs to be in a lawn area now very unless the wall was very um, poorly built it's not going to damage it but certainly curbing it, it has the ability to lift that so I would I would move the tree and if you need to move it if it's planted already move it next autumn Here's an interesting question. We sowed bluebell bulbs at the end of October in the lawn, expecting flowers in the springtime. They have grown, but they haven't flowered. Did we get it wrong? The grass is now getting long. Yeah, no, no. There's the, and, and bulbs will often do that. And, you know, like I've said before, uh, when you buy bluebells or daffodils, you're generally buying the size of the bulb determines how well they flower. And generally with a daffodil bulb, you're buying a bulb that's at least three years old. If you plant a smaller bulb uh, or, you know, a, a slightly younger bulb, you'll get lots of leaves in the, the following spring, but no flower. So those bluebells are just too young to flower yet. Leave them alone, let the, them die back naturally, and next year you'll have lots of colour. It's not that they won't come into bloom. They will, they but will. they're just too young to flower yet. Okay. So you're getting lots of leaf and no flower. When you're sowing lawn seed, do you need to put the fertiliser in with the lawn seed? Yeah. That's the that's the ideal thing to do. So if you're if you're preparing a lawn at the moment, rake it, get rid of any stones or weeds, firm down the soil, put on your your lawn fertilizer, a preceding lawn fertilizer, something like Pro One. Just rake that in, give it a light raking, then put on your lawn seed on the same day, rake it in, and that's the best way to do it. Okay, super. Um, now, my my, uh, I'm listening. I'm listening in my tunnel. Says this listener. Oh, lovely, Good morning lovely. in Ballycroy. Uh, got three cuttings from a fruit tree. Kept it in water for the last four weeks. It's flowering now. What next? 
Well, it, they don't say what fruit tree, do they? No, and, they don't. And the fact that it's flowering, the, the main thing is that it, has it rooted? Has, is there any roots uh, coming on them? Because naturally enough, with a, say it's an apple tree or a pear tree, the flower buds, like we said before, are already formed on the tree and putting it in water like a cut flower. It's going to come into flower. But the key thing, has it rooted? So my advice really is uh, maybe to pot it up into some compost and perlite. You need to get the stem to, to produce roots. That's the key thing. So put into half compost, half perlite, covered with a polythene bag, keep it in your tunnel and let's see what happens. Okay. But the fact that it's flowering doesn't mean, doesn't it's, mean that, it's, <laughs> that you've got success. No, no. It, because the plant has to initiate roots. It has to produce roots to be able to grow. So the fact that it's flowering is just like taking a cut flower, like taking a daffodil before it flowers and putting it in a vase. Of course, it's going to come into flower, but it's not going to root. Okay, it's not going so, to start. You, so you need so, to have a look to see what's going yeah, on yeah. under. And it depends what fruiting plant it is, really, right. uh, as well. And speaking of fruiting plants, will a plum tree grow from a cutting? Well, they're better propagated from by grafting. Um, so plum trees are normally grafted because on their own rootstocks, the answer is you can grow them from cuttings, just to answer the question. But what you tend to find is that the rootstock becomes very vigorous and the plant grows too tall and too high and it's very difficult to manage the, the plums. So apple trees and plums and pears are all grafted onto rooting stocks that keeps them smaller than they naturally would grow. So it makes them easier to prune and feed and to, to um, pick the fruit and, and so on, to manage them. So they're generally better bought uh, in your local garden centre on a grafting rootstock because it'll be easier to manage it long term. Great. And we've got somebody with a large veggie pod, I think it is. Yeah. How will I plant tomatoes in it? I don't want the lid to damage the tomatoes. So what you want to do is go for the dwarf varieties. So varieties like totem. So again, in your local garden centre, ask for a variety called totem, T-O-T-E-M. It's a short tomato that only grows about a foot 18 inches so it'll be perfect in the veggie pod you've also got a variety called red profusion probably difficult to get at the moment right. um, but but do keep asking um, it, it may come available again so red profusion or totem are two dwarf varieties that are perfect in the veggie pod because you've got about 18 inches or maybe nearly two feet of growing height and that's in the, the, lar- the large veggie pod yeah so so there's plenty of room there but but the, the traditional tomatoes plants like Moneymaker and Alicante are just too tall for it. So you want something short in stature. Okay. So a totem or red profusion will we'll, be your options we'll there. We'll do the yeah. trek. We'll do the trek. Pork, we're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome. For all of that fantastic We'll do it all again next week. We most certainly will. And to everybody, enjoy, I think, the uh, good week of uh, planting and gardening. That it's going to be promising. an excellent week. Absolutely. Lovely. We'll talk to you again next Saturday. Thanks indeed, Pork. Stand by coming your way next here on Midwest Radio. It's uh, the very best in country music. Right through until one o'clock this afternoon, Michael Neary is in the chair. And we've local news as well on the way. For me, for the moment, good morning to you.